Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. Steve, two children had to grow up without their mother, reaching all the milestones of their lives without ever knowing what happened to the woman who had given them birth. Tonight's mystery is out of the Youngstown suburb of Girard where Charlotte Nagy Polis vanished from her home. Charlotte would be 54 today, but her family's convinced she died at the age of 28. It was March 12, 1994, when her husband Paul called police to tell them his wife was missing. Paul was a native of Trumbull County. His parents were both physicians. His dad, Stephen, worked for the Trumbull County coroner. Charlotte's roots stretched across the sea. She had the brown eyes, brown hair, and Middle Eastern look that came from her family's ties to Yemen. She was the oldest of six siblings, outgoing and vibrant and funny, but also very devoted to family. Charlotte and Paul had been married about four years and were now raising a three-year-old daughter and a 15-month-old son. The day before Charlotte disappeared, Paul's parents came to their home to care for the youngsters. That's because Charlotte needed medical attention. While her in-laws looked after the kids, Paul took Charlotte to the hospital, where she was diagnosed with an acute ear infection. They returned home late that night. Paul's parents left, the kids were tucked in bed, and Charlotte phoned her mom to tell her all about it. The two women talked until nearly 1.30 in the morning. Then they bid each other goodbye and hung up. At 8.50 a.m., Charlotte's mom called to talk to her daughter again. Paul Polis answered the phone. Charlotte was still asleep, he told her. Ask her to call me when she wakes up, the mother asked. Charlotte never called her mom, and nobody picked up the phone as her mom made repeated attempts throughout the day to try again. According to Paul Polis, he spoke to Charlotte at 11 that morning, telling her to stay in bed and relax, that he'd stopped to pick up her medication, and that he'd take the kids with him to run some errands. He said he and the kids went to the pharmacy, then to sell some things at the scrapyard. They did some clothes at the laundromat, picked up burgers at McDonald's, even drove by to check out a couple of homes that were for sale. Paul said the three of them returned home around four to find Charlotte was gone. 
He wasn't alarmed, he said. He figured she felt better and wanted to get out. It wasn't until 7.30 that he noticed her purse was sitting on a counter and that her winter coat was still in the house. Pola said he made calls to friends and family looking for her, and when he couldn't find her, he turned to police. Police canvassed the neighborhood, going door to door and asking everyone if they had seen or heard anything. Charlotte's family joined the search, traveling all over Trumbull County, following leads, looking for clues, visiting known haunts and favorite places. But Charlotte had disappeared without a trace. When the young mother still hadn't returned by the next day, detectives returned to the house and Polis gave them permission to search it. That's when police learned that in the previous 24 hours, the house had been thoroughly cleaned, top to bottom, by Polis and his parents. Police asked Polis if he would take a polygraph. Polis agreed. And that's when Paul Polis disappeared. He didn't show up for that polygraph and left behind a note saying that, in part, I love my wife and would never do anything to harm her intentionally. Police decided to charge Polis with obstructing official business for not making himself available for further questioning, but a Trumbull County judge threw the charges out. Polis had a Fifth Amendment right to remain silent, the judge said. And Polis had already cooperated with police by speaking with them the first time and allowing the search of his home. Paul didn't return to Trumbull County for three months. And when he did return... He said he stayed away because he was going through a lot of mental anguish and was in no shape to take a polygraph. The TV show Unsolved Mysteries did an episode on this case in 1996, just two years after it happened. You can find a transcript of the episode online, and Paul Polis gave them an interview. Charlotte's family agreed to interviews also, And that's where they shared how disturbed they were by things that happened immediately before and after Charlotte disappeared. For starters, less than a month before vanishing, Charlotte asked her brother and his wife if they would take care of her children if anything happened to her. It was an odd request, out of the blue. Her brother asked if Paul was abusing her, and Charlotte said no. There was no known history of violence in the marriage. Charlotte said her request was just a general one. The day after Charlotte was reported missing, her family went to the house to wait for her return. There, Charlotte's sister reported seeing two pairs of footprints in the light dusting of snow left the night before. The prints led from the back door of the house to a shed that was locked, its doors bulging from its frame. The family said Paul refused to unlock the shed and let the family in. The next day when the family returned, the shed was opened and whatever had caused the doors to bow was gone. The family, as well as investigators, also questioned why there was such a rush to clean the house in the hours after Charlotte disappeared. When they asked Polis about it, he said he liked a clean house. Authorities found a small blood stain in the trunk of Polis's car. An analysis concluded it was human, but it was so tiny as to defy identification by DNA or even blood type. Paul Polis was never named as a suspect in this case. No one has ever been charged in the disappearance of Charlotte Nagy Polis. 
Technically, there isn't even any evidence that a crime was committed. Charlotte is a missing person, not an unsolved homicide. Of course, that doesn't stop those who love her from believing she met with foul play. Charlotte's mom told Unsolved Mysteries she wondered if the couple's three-year-old daughter, Layla, had witnessed the crime. She said the girl started crying once when she saw dark trash bags and said, Mommy was put in a dark trash bag. Paul Pullis' attorney has defended his client's actions, arguing that little Layla was coached by Charlotte's family. He said Charlotte weighed twice what her husband weighed, and there was no way he could have carried his wife to the trunk. And that a neighbor who had told police that Polis had backed his car up to the house that March 12th and loaded it with boxes and bags had merely seen Polis putting in the laundry for that trip to the laundromat and the recyclables for that trip to the scrapyard. But even as Charlotte's case grew cold, Paul Polis continued to make headlines. He ran afoul of the law several times, from carrying a concealed weapon to various drug charges. In 2006, he and his second wife were charged with money laundering in a case that involved the embezzlement of $1.6 million from a dialysis clinic. The charges against Paul were reduced in exchange for his cooperation, and his wife was convicted and sentenced to 25 years in prison. Last year, Charlotte's brother, Ali Nagy, talked to the Tribune Chronicle on the 25th anniversary of his sister's disappearance. He said he still gets phone calls all the time, and he and Gerard police follow up on every lead. The patrolman who took the initial missing persons report was John Norman, and today he's Gerard's police chief. Norman said it's frustrating not to have any evidence pointing to anything, not even as to whether she's dead or alive. Charlotte's family said they don't need a body to know she's dead. There is no way she would have abandoned her children, they insisted. After Charlotte's disappearance, her daughter was raised by her parents. Her son was raised by Paul's parents. In that Tribune Chronicle's 25th anniversary piece, Police Chief Norman said the milestone years are always tough. You question yourself, he said, and ask, what did I miss? What did we miss? Did we do everything right? It's tough on you as a human being, let alone as being an investigator. It can get a person to start having doubts on your abilities. Blood in the trunk, I mean, mean in the car. I mean, you could probably find blood in my car, but there's a lot of fishy stuff going on for sure. What, What you talked about with... You know, the police chief talking about how it weighs on him. I bet you a lot of investigators, they take, they take this stuff personal when they don't, they're not able to solve these crimes. Absolutely. Just as in your own job. If you care about your job, you want to do your job right. Exactly. And, yeah, I mean, sometimes you hear about police departments, you know, bungling a case, but rarely is it intentional, I think, if it happens. It, yeah, it's we're all human, human error. Yeah, we're all human. All right. Well, that's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-size Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and may all of your mysteries have happy endings.
History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts.